So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I'm Terry Lynn here with Travis Marziani, and today we're going to talk about uh, behind the scenes, uh, kind of of B Dancewear's social media strategy, and we we'll kind of just go through what channels are working and how Travis is using them. So, what's going on, man? All kinds of fun things. I mean, one of the big things is I did just get done. I'm an, I know I'm a little late to the game, but reading jab, 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 right hook. And I've already been just before I read that, I was deciding that I wanted to hit a big social media push because that's something I've been neglecting. So that's one of the big things I'm doing right now. Yeah, and that's a book by Gary Vaynerchuk, by the way. And he also has a YouTube channel, uh, I think Ask Gary V, where he kind of does Q&A stuff. And he has some pretty good content on there that gets pulled out when it comes to different platforms. So uh, what people have done is they've been like, hey, critique my YouTube channel or critique my Instagram channel. And then he'll kind of do it on a YouTube channel and kind of give you live feedback, which is kind of cool. So uh, his book, Jack Jack Right Hook, was about kind of kind of like what we've been talking about a, a long time. Like everyone kind of on the internet talks about like, you know, you give content, give value, and then you write hook. But he actually breaks it down into each platform in the book, like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, Snapchat. Here's, the, here's how you jab, here's how you write hook. So today we'll kind of go over that and how Travis is doing that with his store. So I guess the first one is YouTube. So what's the deal with this one? I really think that YouTube is the future of content marketing. And I say that for a lot of reasons. One, right now, if I want to kill some time, I personally will not go on Facebook or Instagram as much as YouTube. And the reason is I can eat while consuming YouTube. I can learn something really quick while watching YouTube. And on top of that, it's not just me. My dad needed to fix the refrigerator the other day. And the first thing he did was go on YouTube. And he's not an extremely tech savvy person. It's not like he's a a techie nerd type person, but it's just it's a really easy way to consume content. So I really like YouTube for that. I think it's like the new browsing TV of our generation. Where like 15 years ago, you just scroll through channels, but now you just scroll through YouTube when you're doing whatever. Right? Whether you're on your phone, you're waiting in line for something, or you're just eating and you want something to kind of kill like 10 minutes of stuff. And YouTube content, it's usually within like the 5-10 minute mark, which makes it great because then you just you know have some food and then you're done. Yeah, I think there's also a low barrier of entry to do it, period, but there's a high barrier of entry to do it well. And so I think it's easy to get started. And then once you've kind of built up a platform, it's hard for someone to kind of come in and take all your all your subscribers, for instance. Yeah, and it's not like you can copy video content, like SEO blog content, where someone can just spin it, right? Like you're doing video. Like, like you could just start recording with your phone and make videos, right? That's, that's, like, that's like literally how you can start. But the thing is like doing that consistently and having good content there is the hard part. And another big thing that we didn't really hit on is that there's a huge amount of people already using YouTube. It's basically free views. I posted, I think, like 10 videos, and this was probably about six months ago or so, and just kind of let them go and sit. And they've collectively gotten like 25,000 views, I think, let's say 25,000 minutes worth of runtime. The amount of work that it would take to build a website to get 25,000 views is a lot. But for... YouTube, it was only, all right, put up 10 videos, which didn't take me that much time to do editing on. So that's crazy to me. Yeah, it's like the message in the bottle versus dipping your hand in the ocean. Like if you have your own site, your views are dependent on the traffic you can drag to that site. Whereas if you put on YouTube, there's already a stream of water and you just dip your hand in there. And then some people might see it, some people won't. But once it's there, it's there forever too. I guess kind of like Amazon's like that too, right? Where there's already an existing stream of traffic and you're just kind of tapping into you know, that. As we're talking too, I'm, I'm thinking of more and more reasons why I like YouTube. Another one actually I just thought about is it really gets your face out there. And for small businesses, that's what makes you you. Like if, for instance, for our business, we have my mom doing dance clothing, uh, dance costume types, guides and stuff like that. And people are going to want to buy from that person. 
Amazon and you know big companies like that, it's hard for them to really copy that. They're not. It's hard for them to create a a persona that people are going to want to follow and copy. So that's another thing I like for it is if you're a small business, it gets you interacting with your customers. Yeah, and it puts your face out there. It shows that you're a real person, real business, uh, things like that, and all that uh, type of stuff. So I guess if we go to YouTube jabbing, um, they also, they actually have a content creators guide on YouTube where they kind of give you like the different types of content that tend to do well. And basically, it was, I remember it goes into three categories. It was like either inform, educate, or entertain is one of those three. And usually when you think about YouTube, you're, like, you're looking for how-to stuff or you're just killing time with how-to videos or there's some like viral thing that's entertaining when you're you know, just killing time in your friendships. It's either like you're looking for helpful stuff or you're looking to goof off, essentially. Yeah, yeah I do all the time. I'll watch like top 10 crazy photos ever taken or whatever stupid videos like that. I'd totally kill yeah. time like that. Like I, use, I like watching movie trailers on YouTube, like when I'm eating, it's oh, what's coming out. And then you just, you know, trailers like two minutes, you just watch three and then you just take a break. And, and one of the things I think three. if you're a small business trying to do this or an e-commerce business, obviously, uh, one of the easiest ways to do a, a nice easy jab is by searching what kind of keywords you'd like to rank for. And that's one of the good things that we didn't talk about about YouTube is it's owned by Google. So Google highly likely to put videos that are related to searches and rankings. It's way easier to get a video ranking high in a search than it is to get a website ranking high in a search. And that's because Google wants to promote this other platform that they own. Yeah, and if you look at like how to anything, you pretty much you'll see like one or two video results now if it's a pretty popular topic in the search results. And so if you could dominate that and the text one, that's more exposure for you too. Yeah, there's so many how-to videos out there that I just can't believe how poorly done they are and they're still getting hundreds of thousands of views. So I think if you have questions that people are asking you in your industry, even if it is just an iPhone video where you can answer, hey, I, I know a lot of you guys have this question, here's the answer to it. And some of those people will find your website through that video. So I think that's really great. Yeah, if you want two examples that come to mind, uh, you can check out Beard Brand from our friend Eric Banholz and also Adora Live from... Uh, Anne Marie. So she does, uh, I think, like sex toys, but she does videos of each product and she does like product review. And Eric does that with his beard stuff. And he has like, you know, how to take care of your beard, how to grow it, stuff like that. Uh, kind of more, more like informational slash educational. Not really entertaining, but kind of more on the helpful side of things too. And I think if you're looking for an initial topic, I don't know if we already talked about this, or I'm sure you've probably heard this a hundred times. But the keyword research tool is like killer because there's so many great keywords out there that people are searching for that don't have videos already. So that's an easy, quick way to start. Yeah, already. So uh, what about right hooking on YouTube then? How have you been doing that? So that's something that I'm still working on perfecting. But I think there's there's actually, you know, one of the big right hooks I think should come out at the end of each video. And it could be, you know, here, for instance, for us, here's how you DIY a dance costume you know, click to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you want the full ebook on how to DIY your costume, click here, get their emails. So I think that's kind of a subtle right hook. You can also do uh, product videos and stuff like that, which we're looking to do in the future. But I want to build up a decent audience size first. So I guess the answer is you should have a slight right hook in every video, maybe. Yeah, it's kind of like a content upgrade. You can say that too, right? Like you're upgrading to that and then you can do the right hook in that. PDF or hey, you know, here's how you DIY it. Here's where you can buy it. Yeah, so, and I almost feel like as we're talking about this now, I'm realizing I kind of feel bad saying jab and right hook because I feel like I'm punching my customers, but it's not. It's really like, hey, here's some great content that I spent, you know, a few weeks slaving over. So you're welcome. Yeah, because YouTube, you can annotate your links now with the CTAs to go to your custom website. 
too. You just got to verify your URL. You can send people to your site product pages too. So. Right, which you definitely should be doing if you're an e-commerce store. Yep, alrighty, so next one, Instagram. Uh, Instagram, uh, if you don't know, is a photo app on mobile uh, or tablets. And basically, it's kind of like a nicer Facebook in some ways. Facebook did buy them a couple years ago, I think for a million dollars, but um, basically, it's a photo sharing app, uh, essentially. So how are you using this? So the way I think the proper way to use this is by trying to do native type stuff. And that's what the whole book's about, Jab, 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 Right Hook. It's like, try to look like everyone else on there. Uh, subtly brand it yourself. So what we do is share photos of dancers. And specifically, we share photos of dancers in our dance clothing. And they're all really well done photos. It's the photos that are sent to us by our customers. And those photos tend to get a lot of likes on them. So that's what we've been doing. Yeah, and there's a reason syndication doesn't work on these different channels because if you look at like a newspaper ad, you don't take that ad and you don't put it on TV or you don't go to radio, right? You don't do the, you don't take a radio ad and go to TV because there's different native platforms. And I think it's the same thing with different channels on social media. But it's easy to clump them all together. But hey, I'll just like photos. I guess you could reuse, but even then, there's different photos that work better on Instagram than. On and there's Facebook. that story in the book, and I have to share this. I won't talk too much about it, but basically, in the book, it was talking about how when TV first came out, they would just have a guy standing there reading ads, and that's how they would do commercials. Then eventually, some genius realized, hey, why don't we make the commercials look like the TV shows? And they started doing way better. So you got to do the same thing. You got to make your quote unquote commercials, your Instagram feed look like the real thing because if it's a constant commercial people are just gonna i mean who wants to be you know who wants to be constantly advertised to so that's the key yes so i guess an example would be like if you were selling shoes you don't have a sh you don't have a shoe product photo you have someone wearing it outside running around like exercising and then oh today's a great day to run blah 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 in my nike whatever air jordans and then versus just the product photo essentially yeah. All right, cool. And I guess, so what's your Instagram strategy right now? What, what are you posting on that? So it's all the dance uh, photos, all the photos of the dancers. But one of the things that we're doing, well, we haven't been doing enough of is using the hashtags. And before this call, Terry, you told me all about, you got to do at least 30 hashtags. That's like the max you're allowed to do. So I'm going to try to start doing that, but I don't want it to look too spammy. So I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, and the reason is the only way people can find you on Instagram is either the A, they follow you because they know your account. Uh, B, they see someone like you on a friend's feed. Uh, or C, they kind of just search your hashtag, like hashtag dancer, and then one of your photos looks cool. And then they click it and then they follow you. And so the reason is if you don't use the max hashtags, you're not maximizing the ability to get discovered. And the way to not spam is when you post your photo, usually you'll have a description, right? You can put like three or four there. And then in the comments, you would repost as if you were someone else posting, and then you put the rest of the. 20 hashtags there. So then when someone sees it, when they scroll through the feed, they don't see your photo and then like 30 hashtags. They only see like the four key ones. And then the comments, they got to click load to see the other ones too. And that way you get the balance of like not looking too spammy and still getting the uh, ability to get discovered. Another thing we're doing to try to get some discover uh, ability or whatever is to go on, like, well, fine, we'll search hashtag dance. Uh, or dancers of Instagram is a big one and we'll go through the photos and like and comment on the photos and then a lot of people I mean imagine if you have a photo on Instagram and someone comments on it there's a good chance you're gonna go to their Instagram and probably follow them as well so that's how we've been getting a lot of our followers yeah there was an article I saw somewhere where they were saying they split tested the strategy and this the best way they got was to like like the first three photos and then comment on one and basically that was like a like a 40 50 percent chance to get a follow Wow. 
that's pretty good pretty good odds yeah but but the thing is instagram is it's there's no automation with instagram on purpose like the company has closed off their api to use like syndication services like it's this and that so a lot of the stuff like you can't auto post stuff from facebook to instagram but you can post from instagram to facebook so like everything you do on instagram pretty much has to be native so if you post four times a day you actually need someone to like upload a photo type in a description and like hashtag it multiple times so it's a little more labor intensive so there are services i've heard of that can help you schedule it and stuff like that but they they cost and supposedly what they are is just people that'll do this for you kind of thing yeah. like there's one called latergram that kind of hacks it but it's not a full solution it's like a the app posts for you but you got to remember to like sign into the app when the time is up and they send you a calendar reminder it's like a really kind of ghetto workaround and yeah so instagram actually has video too and i've seen some people kind of jabbing with this and right hooking in some ways where they're doing like a how-to thing and then uh, in the end you have a call to action but the call to action usually is in the bio because uh, i don't think when you do a link in a comment it actually hyperlinks it it just shows the text and the only way to link out is to change your bio essentially uh, but you've been kind of doing that too right yeah so actually that's something i should have mentioned earlier is that really our youtube videos so we're doing the dance costume uh, videos on YouTube and that's kind of like our central hub and then from that we're spinning that content to all the different platforms so what I currently have been doing is taking still pictures that we took during the filming of the YouTube videos and turning them into a video but before this call uh, Terry you told me that I should basically just cut sections of my YouTube video and do that instead of the still photo. So I'm actually really excited about that. So it's basically going to be a condensed version of my YouTube videos where I cut, you know, two seconds of my mom cutting, two seconds of her sewing something onto a dance costume and then just have her explaining it. So that way there's some movement. And then at the end, I have something that says, you know, if you want to watch the whole video, go to YouTube. So it's not really... Um, like a right hook in the sense of I'm saying, hey, go buy our product. But it's like, hey, just to let you know, we have this other channel that you should go check out. Go check out. You know? Yeah. And the one thing I forgot to tell you is that when you click an Instagram video, I think you expect it to be a video, not just an image slideshow, which is why maybe your engagement on that one post is a little bit lower than the other ones. Because I see it has like 20 likes, the other ones have like 30 to 40. I did feel a little bit goofy about doing the slide, the slide change thing. But uh, the big reason I did is I didn't think about the fact that I can undo the audio track and redo it later on. I thought, oh, I have to make sure I I sync the audios up. So no. thank well, you for unless, that advice. Well, unless you're seeing your your mom talk with her mouth, then you can, it doesn't matter, right? You just overlay yeah. it essentially in some way. Well, part of the thing is you have to cut the videos to square. So I can kind of pick and choose what's actually going to be in the image. It's, it's, 600, it's 640 by 640 pixels max. So where our videos are 1080 by 1920. So I'm definitely going to have to uh, cut out some of the image. Yeah, but even that, I would just, when you you would do it in your post editing, and then you could just upload it and then crop it there, right? Instead of cropping your video in Premiere or something like that. I don't know, I guess, I guess either way. It's easy. It's easy to do it in Premiere Pro. Yeah. I mean, that's basically, I've been doing all the videos of the slide changes in Premiere Pro. I, I can already tell, like, it'll be relatively easy to do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And one thing, I guess we go off topic for Instagram is like quotes tend to be pretty popular on Instagram, uh, especially like kind of motivational quotes with an image, like a poster type of thing. Like those things tend to work pretty well from what I've seen. Like I see a lot of people share it and then like, you know, these channels like tag your friend if you like this quote or like tag a friend who could use help in this quote or something like that. And like, yeah, that's a great thing I've heard. 
over and over again is the tag your friend. Uh, so one thing, you know, would be great to do is like best friends day. I'm pretty sure there's like a, there's a national holiday for everything, but like there's a national holiday for best friends day or mother's day or whatever. Tag your uh, friend if you love freedom or if they love freedom or whatever. I don't know, something goofy like that. That's a good way to get some good uh, exposure. Yeah. So it's like, I think channels to follow for best practices. If you look at the comedy channels, like these meme channels, uh, there's one called the Fat Jewish. He's like a comedian in New York and he posts, re- he has like 5 million followers. It's really funny the stuff he posts. And there's a, Another one called uh, Fuck Jerry, which is kind of like a, kind of like they make stuff about breaking up with like ex-girlfriends and they post like comedy around that stuff like that. So kind of those comedy channels, they're really on top of like what they're doing with Instagram too. And one thing, one tip that I found out that I don't see any of my competitors doing, it's a little off topic, but is in the bio, a lot of people will do either the link straight to their website. So for instance, I could have done just link to beatanswer.com, which I would not be able to figure out if they came from Instagram or how they got to my website because it would just show up as a direct URL. Or the second thing a lot of people do to try to work around that is they use a Bitly, which that works good because then you can actually track the clicks. But the problem is it looks ugly. Uh, I want people to see beatanswer.com and know, okay, that's their website. So if they later go to a computer that's in their head. So what I found out is a workaround is I did beatanswer.com slash rdancewear and then I 301 redirected that to a, a Google tagged link that's tagged um, so that I know in analytics that they came from Instagram. And that's worked great, yeah. They don't show up as referral traffic when you click from Instagram or, or I actually don't know? No, they don't because the for whatever reason, the way it works is, it, I think it has to open up a new uh, web page. Oh, and I it just see. shows, it takes, yeah. It, it just, when you click in the app, the app doesn't register as a domain. Unless you were in the browser, Instagram.com slash Bdancer. But usually in the app, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. So that, that is one of the things. If you are using a computer and you click from a URL, it will work fine. But 99% of the people are using the app, so it doesn't work. Yeah. Alrighty, um, I guess. So what is your engagement like on Instagram overall? Like you have, what, around 400 followers or so? Like what are you seeing there? I'd say about 10% of the people like the the images and it depends on the image obviously but um I, when i did that slide share or not slide share but that that how to video it got about 20 and that was right around my lowest but i think it's cuz i did it wrong obviously so it, it seems like a pretty good engagement yeah i would, I would say that slideshow and just change it to the video and see if the next one does better and I, my gut feeling is that it will but you know just you, you just have to test it to, to see how it goes and i will say i've probably gotten between 80 and 100 people going from the app to my website. So that's like a 20% of the people that follow me actually go to the website. That's pretty good. Yeah, and all these photos I'm looking at, they're your customers that are wearing your stuff or is it just dancers in general, most of them? It's all customers wearing our stuff. I'm like 99% sure. We might accidentally have one or two like famous people in there. But that's then that's another true thing is it helps with the long-term value of our customers because I mean, imagine if you buy from a brand and they feature you on their Instagram, you're much more likely to want to go back to them. Yeah, especially as your channel gets bigger, like say you have like 5,000 people that say like, hey, you're an awesome dancer in front of this many people and they get tagged and you know, it makes them feel cool and all that stuff too. Yeah. Alrighty then, so let's move on to the next one. Uh, Pinterest is another image-based platform. So one thing before we get into this is that uh, depending on your business, you know, these channels may or may not make sense. Like if you're selling industrial equipment, you should not be on Pinterest. <laughs> like if you're selling industrial, you know, 
aluminum welders like you know that make teslas like why, why would you be on pinterest it doesn't make any sense it's not worth your roi of time basically. yeah exactly so it's just that the fact that you're dancewear female oriented you know kind of fashion based it just kind of makes more sense to be on here Absolutely. so pinterest uh what's up with this one so one of the things we've been doing that we have had success with and we haven't been doing this as much as we probably should is going in you know typing into the search dance related stuff commenting and liking people's photos and that's the thing you'll hear over and over again I, it sounds like pinterest youtube or not youtube pinterest instagram and twitter it's all the same kind of thing you give some love people give you some love back so that's one of the ways we've gotten new followers but another key to pinterest is it follows the 80 20 rule in the sense that about i think only 20 percent of the people, what is it? 20% of the pins are like original content. Most people just repin things. Very few people actually upload new quality pins. So if you can be one of those people that upload new quality pins, you're much more likely to get repinned. So that's the way to do it properly. Yeah, so how are your boards organized right now on Pinterest? I see you have like 15, 20 different boards or? Yeah, so that's another thing is you want to have the boards that are about your business above the fold and preferably like some of your first boards. So I have, I think our products, some of our DIY costume pins, and I'll talk about that in a second. And also like some of our customer testimonial photo type things. And then we have anything related to dan or dance or anything that someone in our niche would be interested in basically. Yeah, so you have like dance teams, hip hop, contemporary tango and then hair like diy stuff and essentially it's like not the same as youtube but it's the same purpose where it's like you know kind of inform or entertain or educate yeah yeah absolutely and i think one of the things that we're doing on this is once again we're taking our our youtube videos and making them into a pin and the way we're doing this is we're doing a long pin that says how to add a sash to a dance costume It'll show a picture of what a dance costume with a sash looks like and then step by step on how you could do it. And what I've heard, and I don't know because I'm not part of this demographic, but I've heard a lot of people, specifically women, are searching on Pinterest for how to do things like recipes around the house things instead of Google. So that's why I think this might be a good platform for your how-to kind of things. So it's like a hybrid infographic slash how-to guide exactly essentially yeah yeah got yeah because like pinterest is a top down scrolling thing too so like long images that are tall tend to do better than like a wide image because just the screen space it takes up is more efficient the way the platform is built too so i guess so how are you measuring um traffic from pinterest like are you tagging links or what's the deal here yeah i tag all the links in our pins so all the pins that i create go obviously go back to our website and I have it so, you know, I use the, the link tagging thing. And it sounds complicated, but it's super easy to set up. I actually have my VA uh, tag all the links. And that's one of the ways we're, we're trying to measure it. And we also have it from our profile. And we get a lot of people that click from our profile or from um, our regular pins. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, cool. And um, are you doing any Pinterest ads? or? I am doing Pinterest ads. And I haven't heard... I don't actually know too many other people that are doing Pinterest ads. I will tell you, easy, cheap clicks, but I've gotten a lot of complaints. Every once in a while, I'll get comments on the pins that say something like, oh, I hate you uh, Pinterest advertisers. You guys are the worst. Like, promoted pins suck. And it really bothers me. In fact, we got an email 
that was sent by someone anonymously to our, you know, our company email that said basically die and get cancer, like F you kind of thing, because we promote Pinterest pins. So people are pissed about this and not everyone. And I'm sure I blame Pinterest because I'm sure they're showing these pins to people that it should not be shown to. But at the same time, it really bothers me because people on Pinterest should realize that this service that they get for free costs millions of dollars a year to keep operating. And I'm really like what I told the one guy and I said it in a much nicer way, but I'm like, I'm paying for your Pinterest service. You're welcome. Because if it was up to you, it would cost you probably 30 bucks a month to have the service. Instead, sorry for the inconvenience. You're going to see a couple ads. Yeah, that's how the world works. <laughs> Why did you even bother? Did you reply or did you reply to that? I, I replied just because um, I wasn't going to, but it was one of those things that I'm like, I feel like this person should at least know. And I said it like in a nice way. And I've gotten enough of these comments now that I'm like, it was one of those things that have been bugging me. And I wanted to tell someone because I told my mom that because she didn't realize she was kind of like, oh, this is so annoying, all these ads. And I'm like, no, look, you have to understand. This is how this company stays in business. They're employing tons of people. They're spending millions of dollars a month on the servers and stuff like that. And then once I said that to her, she's like, oh, my God, I never thought about that. You're 100% right. And I doubt this guy's going to have that same reaction. But part of me hopes that at least he's like secretly, oh, I'm a little bit of an idiot. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, so. they're just going to give you Pinterest for free? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's, that's really bothered me. But I, we're totally off subject. So if you want cheap pins or cheap clicks to your website, you can get them as low as like five cents a piece. Check out Pinterest. Well, I guess the also thing is too is that like Google shows ads, but why is he not emailing people? And I guess it's a thing where Pinterest... Yeah, or their ad platform on Pinterest is still new and they haven't just figured out a way to either get the targeting right or get the they design right it. that it's yeah. not too intrusive uh, on the user experience and all that stuff. I mean, when Facebook first got ads, people were complaining and that's always going to happen. But eventually people get over it and they're like, oh, okay, well, if I want to use this service, I got to, this is my payment. And actually, just a random quick side thing. I heard that if you were to pay Google for all the services that it uses, like instead of ads, like if you could pay for an ad-free version of Google, it would cost you $500 a year. That's how much money it costs Google to give you all the services that it gives you, which is yeah. crazy. And what's funny is I think AdWords is like 90% of the revenue or like 95 or something insane. Yeah. Oh, like it's that. super high. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they can afford to build robots based off that money and self-driving cars. Exactly. All right. So uh, let's not get off to topic here. So uh, I guess let's move on to Facebook a little bit. So uh, Facebook, kind of everyone knows what it is. So how are you using that? So one of the big things I've heard about Facebook recently is that videos are the place to be. And I've been making the mistake. I'm still pretty new to this, but I've probably uploaded about seven videos. And the first one got some decent engagement. But one of the things I've noticed is my videos are too long. And I'm basically just taking my YouTube videos, copying them over to Facebook. Probably not the best way to do it. I think what I'm going to try instead is doing Instagram style videos, maybe 30 seconds instead of the 15 seconds that Instagram is. So it's a quick hitting thing. And part of the reason you want it to be so quick hitting is the actual ability for them to click to your website doesn't come up until the end. So if you want a good click-through rate from your video to your website, you need to make the you need to make them watch the whole video. Yeah. And on top of that, I think that people on Facebook have a short attention span. I don't think someone goes to Facebook to learn how to DIY a dance costume. Some people might sit through and watch it, but if you can make it quick, exciting, and 30 seconds worth of information, they're probably going to watch it. They're probably going to share it. 
Uh, and they're more likely to like it. I this is my assumption. We'll see. I'll come back in a few weeks and let you know. Yeah. So no evidence or data here, but I feel like Facebook videos, if you're over two minutes, you're testing people's patience. Um, one minute, 30, like, yeah, I'll sit there and watch it. But if something's like five minutes, I'm like, oh, God, do I really, I'm not really in the mood to do this or is this worth my time? And I go like, to YouTube for that, right? Exactly. I, mean, I don't go to yeah. Facebook for yeah. that. I think it's just like a conditioning from the platforms. But maybe it might change in the next few years. Who knows? But it's just now that, like, I'm seeing more videos on Facebook personally, but if they're too long, I'm like, ah, I'll just skip it because I'm looking at my friend's news feed. I want to see some other stuff, right? Whereas YouTube, you know you're watching videos when you're there. Yeah, exactly. You're committed when you go to YouTube. Um, another thing, though, that Facebook does that I think is really cool, at least from a marketer standpoint, is they autoplay the videos. So as you, and you've probably seen this if you're on Facebook, as you're scrolling down your news feed, it'll just start. So if you can get someone's attention with some quick cuts, my assumption is the people are going to be like, whoa, what's this about? But if it's like a long, drawn-out video, people are going to be like, oh, scroll. You know, I don't want to watch this. Yeah, like if you get something to like 30 seconds, that's like five minutes. It's a quick hit. And then it stays on top of the mind while they're in the news feed too. Because uh, like for someone to click a video in the news feed, it already kind of has to be sort of like enticing to click. Otherwise, it's really easy to just scroll past it. I feel like the friction there to click a video on Facebook is a lot higher. And another thing I'm going to add, I think I want to do a custom outro for Facebook videos where it'd be similar. I have like a custom outro for YouTube videos that says, you know, click to subscribe, click for, you know, this other click to see our website, whatever. I think I'm going to do a custom Facebook intro. Like if you like this video, make sure to like it and um, share it with your friends and then some, yeah, tag a friend, something like that. So something where people are watching and they say, oh my God, yeah, that's right. I got to like, I got to share. And this is all still just what I'm thinking will work. So Remind me in a few weeks, Terry, and ask me how, how that all went. Yeah, so one thing you've been doing is you do a lot of contests, right? How does that work out? Oh, that's a great, yeah. Contests have been killing it for us. Like if I go into our analytics and see what have been the most liked um, pictures or content and what has been the most shared and all that kind of stuff, it's by far the, the photos that I do for the contest. So we do a monthly Dancer of the Month contest. And last month, we had a girl that got 500 likes on her photos, almost 100 shares. And they were all, as far as I could tell, legit. Like It's not like she paid for these, which is insane. That means there's 500 people that like this photo where my URL is in the um, actual main body of the photo. So people see, oh, if I like this photo, Jalen's going to be Dancer of the Month. And it's BeDancer.com. Okay, cool. So that's been huge for us. Gotcha. And how are you executing these? Are you using like apps to do it or is it just through the posts? Or? All manual. Yeah. So what I've been doing is I, I have the people email us the images and then I post all the images at the same time. Originally, I was having people just post it to our Facebook. But the problem is you need to, you need to share all the photos at the same time so the voting starts at the same time. Otherwise, one person might post a photo on Monday. Another person might post a photo on Thursday. And it's like, well, when does voting stop? You know. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Do you scheduled posts on Facebook too, or? Um, we, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. I mean, are you talking about for the dancer of the month or? Yeah, it's just, just in anything? general, I guess, on the page. Yeah, we do some scheduled posts. I was doing it with Hootsuite before, but now you can do it natively with Facebook. And I've heard from a number of people that if you do it natively with Facebook, you get better engagement than if you do it with Hootsuite. Don't know, I haven't split tested if that's true or not, but it makes sense to me, so. Yeah, gotcha, cool, cool. All right, so I guess let's move on to Twitter, our last platform. So how are you using this one? Twitter, in my 
personal humble opinion is the least useful in terms of actual marketing ability, but where it is way better than all the other ones is in terms of reaching influencers. So what we've been using it mainly for is to comment on photos of dance magazines and bloggers and try to interact with them. And we get a lot of the bloggers saying, yeah, thank you for the comment and you know responding. And we're just trying to get on their radar. So then eventually one of two things will happen. Uh, either they'll contact us and say, hey, you know, we'd like to review your clothing on our blog. Or when we contact them and ask for the review, they're more likely to be like, oh my God, we're friends. Of course, we know each other. So that's been the main way I've been using Twitter. Yeah, it's not like a cold pitch. It's like, hey, you know, I, we were bugging back and forth on Twitter. I had this idea. I wanted to run it by you. You know, can I send you some stuff to review? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we, we've talked about Malco from Mudgear before. So Malco, he does that well, he, where he'll comment on like Mudgear, or not Mudgear, Mud Trail Running Magazine's Twitters. And eventually one person said, hey, we'd like to review your clothing on our, on our, in our magazine, which is awesome. Like he didn't even do any of the pitching. It was just by commenting this magazine wanted some free Mudgear and was able to, you know, he was able to get some advertisement basically out of this. Yeah, it's the jabbing, right? Even though you think you're commenting, the jab is that these publications are getting engagement that the author can then show the editor like, hey, our Twitter account has people talking to us. And then they're like, Who, who's talking to us? Oh, it's this guy in mud gear. And, oh, what does he do? Oh, he has, you know, tough mudder clothing or I'm not really sure what knuckle <laughs> sells. But basically then it gets, it's not like a cold pitch. Uh, essentially. Yeah, and I, I do think some people probably use Twitter for marketing properly. Um, but I don't think it's worth your time from what I've seen. It seems like it's hard to get people to actually go from Twitter where the attention spans two seconds. And that's the other thing. The tweet, if you tweet something on Twitter, I think it lasts like 15 minutes and then nobody will see it. Where if you put up a YouTube video, it actually builds momentum. So if I put up a YouTube video tomorrow, it might get 100 likes in the first week, then 300 likes by the second week. And then, you know, it's the longer it's been there, the more powerful it is. Where Twitter, the opposite is true. As soon as you release it, it's dying. It'll depend on each, like, each industry too. But a lot of people use Twitter as like a customer service channel. Oh, you see like airline people who complain when their luggage gets lost or like people complain about Airbnb and then usually they reply pretty quickly. Are you seeing people do that with you or? No, I think we're too small. I mean, if someone were to do that, we, of course we'd reply, but I think that comes more in handy when you're like a multi-million dollar company, um, personal opinion. Yeah, and I think the people do that because it's public. So when you call someone out that, you know, they unjustified, you know, lost your luggage, you can be like, oh, British Airways, you know, you fucking suck. And give me my luggage back and then all your friends see it and they're like oh no and then people start retweeting it it can kind of go really bad like there was one kind of off topic uh, there was a journalist uh, named sarah connor and she had an article where a robot in a volkswagen factory killed a worker and then everyone starts tweeting her about terminator stuff she's like oh my god you, you're gonna save humanity and <laughs> oh my god like where's your son get him to save us and then she was like what's going on like i've never seen the movie and then she finally she was like oh, okay hey guys this is a funny joke but that time it was retweeted like five thousand times and it was really funny because i retweeted it too that's so. hilarious <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'll send okay. you the twitter later it's kind of funny so basically like that stuff, like customer service angle, it can kind of slow out really quick. But I think for small companies, you know, it may be a hit or miss depending on your brand and stuff like that too. Yeah. And I'm sure there's someone out there listening to this that, and it's also different. I think Twitter used to be easier for e-commerce companies because you could automate it and do all this kind of stuff. And there's probably people that are still building their business on Twitter. 
But I, if you're your average person, I would not personally spend a lot of my time on that. Yeah, like you see a lot of celebrities are on Twitter, and if you're like Kim Kardashian, she really crushes it on Twitter. But you know, she she's using that as an extension of her personality to then drive people to her sites or whatever her TV mm-hmm. shows. It's a little bit of the chicken and the egg thing. I feel like with Twitter, if you're famous, then it's good to have a Twitter. Uh, I I don't, and maybe it'll help you build some publicity. But if you're trying to build publicity with Twitter, it's an uphill battle. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap there where you have famous people on both Twitter and Instagram because Instagram is a peek into their lives, and Twitter is kind of like what they're thinking in their head. So there's like a kind of symbiotic thing too. But it's like it's like a different different segment than most e-commerce stores are going through too. So uh, Twitter also has an ad platform, but I don't have any experience with that. I see it in my feed, but I just feel like Twitter's so noisy that. I don't know how they're going to get ads to really work. Maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe not. And if you're, you know, finding it's working for you, do let us know too. Yeah. If I can get ads for a penny, I might try it out. I don't know. So I guess that's about uh, wraps it up. So there's a couple channels that we don't know enough to really comment on. We'll just kind of list them out. So Vine, Snapchat, Yik Yak, Periscope, and LinkedIn. So Vine is basically like a six second. It's like an Instagram, but you loop videos for six seconds and that's all people post. Uh, Snapchat... I don't know. It's I just can't figure this out. I've used it a couple times. Some people have got it. I don't. You know, if you do, hey, let us know. And Yik Yak, uh, we I just told Travis about this before the call, and he was like, "What is this?" Because I heard Gary Vaynerchuk talk about Yik Yak, and you know, it's just stuff that's I guess U.S. based, and I don't know what it is. Periscope is like a live streaming video on Twitter. I don't know if you remember something called Meerkat that came out a couple of months ago. It's basically a way you can live stream video. And then people can comment on it on Twitter. So what you were seeing was um, when there was the Flayweather and Manny Pacquiao boxing fight a couple of months ago, there were people live periscoping this in the arena in the MGM. And I think the organizers got pissed because they were charging people pay-per-view. So it was kind of an interesting way how, like, I guess journalists can, like, live report stuff and people can just tune in and watch uh, certain things, too. And then LinkedIn, obviously, it's a B2B thing, uh, professionals. But the CPCs are really expensive. I think the minimum is, like, $2 CPC. Uh, there's just like a there's a floor set by that platform and so uh, we don't do b2b so maybe if you're in that space you find, might find something there but um, these are just things that we don't really know enough to kind of comment on so buying snapchat yik yak periscope and linkedin all right so that's for this week uh, we'll catch you guys next time and until then uh, you can find us at buildmyonlinestore.com if you need help with kind of traffic marketing and the whole way process to interview your customers check out spotlight marketing on our website and if you need help uh, with marketing consulting kind of content side store operations do let us know at buildmyonlinestore.com see you guys next week